Hey, welcome to Church Alive. Our mission is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the message. Decided, you already decided you're going to listen to podcasts, you're going to read books, you're going to go to conferences. Why? Because you're going to be a lifelong learner. Right, most people get stuck in there often, even in their leadership, their business, and in their marriage. Often, because they stop learning and they heard it all before. But how many know that you haven't heard it all before? And even if you have heard it all before, you haven't done it all before. Right? Information without application leads to frustration, and it is an abomination. (laughs) Thank you, Mark Katood. Wasn't that good? Um. Before I get into it, man, just in worship, um, Andrew Hartwig, just wanted to just encourage you, man, just really believe in the call of God on your life. I really do. Um, continue to kind of feel this sense of calling on your life, destiny on your life. Um, even just hearing some of your story just recently as we were kind of hanging out, um, you know, not many people follow Jesus pretty strong in high school and college while they really just like didn't have any Christian friends around them. You're like, well, that's weird. Uh, that pretty much never happens, okay? Uh, so just believe in the call of God in your life. And um, just want to continue. Uh, it was pretty cool, my wife, giving a word for your little lady friend uh, on Sunday. And uh, that was good. So I want to, um, I, w- I met with a pastor recently. And you know when sometimes you have one of those moments and you just go, oh my gosh, my eyes just like opened to something. I literally, he was talking to me. I just went, oh, I just got something. So I'm going to unpack this for you. And then hopefully it's going to help your life. Cool? Yeah. All right. I was talking to a pastor. And for some reason, all of a sudden, this triangle came to mind. This is your identity. How about I finish my triangle? This is your work and home life, and this is ministry. God always wants to build your identity time and time again in Him over and over and over. He has to build your identity in Him. Many times you'll talk to someone, and the reason that they're struggling in their faith is because they don't get who they are in Christ, right? And that takes many times years and and transformation on the inside and the mind. It takes moments of worship. It takes all kinds of stuff where you and I begin to learn, wow, remember the first time you realized God loved you? Just the first time, just like, oh my goodness, the action. someone told you for 10 years, and then one day, the Holy Spirit was like, Zhun. and it was like your eyes just opened in a moment. You're like, wait, he really does. And before that, it was information, but after that, it's transformation, isn't it? And so you and I have to grow continually. Jesus had a moment in Matthew chapter 3 where the Father speaks over him before he's done any ministry, says, this is my son whom I love, in him I am well pleased. His identity is secure, and now he can go. He's actually done this for 17 years. We know he grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man, and then he goes and does ministry. And the interesting thing I believe about this is God is not in a hurry to get you to do ministry. And I will say this, God is not in a hurry to give you platform ministry. 
God is not in a hurry to give you some powerful ministry in the name of Jesus. God is not in a hurry to put you in front of thousands of people. God is not in a hurry, and He may never do that, right? You may always be a behind-the-scene person, but if you're okay with your own identity, that will be okay, right? Can I remind you that the greatest worship service in the Bible is actually where two disciples go and get a donkey for Jesus, walk a long journey, couple of miles, take a donkey. Someone walks up to them, what are you doing taking my donkey? They're like, the master needs it. They're like, okay. They let him go. And then we don't know their names and we don't know their faces. And Jesus sits upon a donkey and it's the greatest worship service, basically in Scripture. And no one knows their names. But for some reason, he had to get those two guys to go get a donkey. Can you slap your neighbor and say, you need to go get a donkey? But on a practical perspective, how do you do this a lot? I got my car filled up with gas today. Little old lady, kind of really precious actually. Um, I was walking to go get something to eat because I hadn't eaten anything yet. And she was like tapping on my little gas thing and I hadn't opened it yet. And I'm like, oh gosh. And I went over there and opened the gas thing. And then all of a sudden she comes over and fills my tank. And how many know that you have to open the door for the Holy Spirit to come and fill you time and time again, time and time again. Don't ever get old that the fact that you have to come here again and come here again and come here again and get filled again each day, get filled again every Sunday, get filled in a transformed group. Guess what? You leak. And don't wait until your side of the road just going there, church, burnt me out. No, you didn't stop and you didn't get filled by the Holy Spirit in your personal time and your corporate time, right? Don't serve every single Sunday, all three services. You're to sit in one, you're to receive the word in one, then you go and serve, right? And then privately, you have to go and spend time with Jesus by yourself and get filled. Now, obviously, your work life and your home life, the Bible says, uh, I think it's First Timothy chapter 3, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? And so your finances and your kids and your relationships, and if you're single, it's just, it's, it's your relationships. More than anything else, it's your relationship with your mom and dad. It's all that kind of stuff. God continually teaches you through this. God teaches me through this. God teaches me through this. And God teaches me and forms me through this. Just showing up. Just showing up again. Doesn't he make you because you showed up again? Doesn't he make you again with joy? Doesn't he make you again? And then sometimes you're like, oh my goodness, occasionally you'll get discouraged. But God will give you a God story if you keep on showing up. If you keep going, God will give you stories that encourage your heart to remember why you do what you do. Right? Why do you serve? And all of a sudden you're like, I serve in kids for five years. And one of the kids comes up to you and goes, you're the reason why I follow Jesus. You're like, <laughs> are you with me? And so you've got to remember, we continually come back to the source. We manage this. And then we just love people and we serve people and, and we help people. And that's ministry. Right? Loving people, meeting a need, right? And then if you love people enough and serve people enough and you do that well enough with a good spirit, then someone goes, well, you might actually be a leader. But first it comes to loving and serving. Loving and serving and loving and serving with joy and we serve the Lord with joy and over time God does good things in our life. Now, um, let me try break this down. That's a concept 
I believe that God wants to continue to do in you, build your identity. He wants you to manage your home life, your work life, your, your practical stuff, right? That should not be a mess in your own world. And then um, I want to kind of help me out here, someone. Thanks, Max. Um, I want to give you, how do you move, though, your ministry, your practical forward? Some of you are probably quite amazing at this. Some of you are task-orientated. You're rocking, you're rolling. But I just want to say that across our church, we have to continue. How do you bring yourself, how do you lead that thing that you're leading to a greater dimension? It doesn't just happen. It actually takes heart, takes faith, but it does take some skill. And so I want to break this down real quick. And this has helped me, and I hope it helps you. How many of you know I like the quadrant? I love the quadrant. Now, it's not going to be the physical, spiritual, relational, financial. This is how I do it. It's reach, it's teach, it's empower, it's organize. On a real practical level, every transform group, every marketing team, the kids team, the worship team, it doesn't matter what area... You uh, have to reach people, you have to build the team, you have to teach, and I want to say this, it's not you teaching, it's you modeling the culture. So sometimes when I've said this in the past, teaching, anyone that didn't teach disconnected, and I realized that I was wrong by teaching on this, or, or wrong by just saying teaching. So what I need you to know is this, when it comes to teaching, let's break this down for a second, when it comes to teaching the culture... You need to be able to define that, and let's define it real quick. Fun. The culture of our church, the culture of a kid's team, the culture of the ministry team, the culture of everything we do, there should be some fun to what we do. Keep serving Jesus fun. Relationships actually come out of fun. Now, they do come out of some deep times. You grab coffee with someone or you hang out with someone, and it really went deep. But to be honest, you don't want deep all the time. You need some laughter in your life. You need some fun in your life. Just like, holy cow. Sometimes you talk to someone like, oh my goodness, it's deep every time. How about we chuckle a little bit? How about we laugh a little bit, right? It should be fun. Then you need to teach the vision. And how do you teach the vision? You say it, you spray it, you will it, you tell stories. You say, man, I connected to someone the other day and this person's in our church because our first impressions team went over to them and made them feel comfortable. Right, right from a first impression perspective, from a kid's perspective, from a worship perspective. When someone says, man, I've gone to church all my life. I've never felt the presence of God. And someone comes up to you and says, oh my gosh, I felt God for the first time. That just changed their life. And the worship team was the instrument where that happened. When you're part of a prayer ministry, where you're part of a transformed group, and you're like, man, this guy was on drugs and now he's not. This guy's marriage was falling apart, now he's not. That's sharing the vision of changed lives. And so it's not just teaching a subject, it's sharing vision of why we do what we do. We're not here to play games. We're not just here to, to, to play church. We're here to change people's destinies. We're here to rescue Samson from Delilah and break the power of that spirit so that Samson can be all Samson's meant to be in Jesus name are you with me so we it should be fun should be vision it should be teaching now here's the teaching bit the teaching should be creative the teaching should be fresh the teaching should be short enough that people want more not long enough that they hope you die (laughs) I like to teach deep brother Chris Hodges met with a guy 
his church was 400, it had been 400 for 10 years, and he said to him, he said, how can I help you, your church describe Sunday to me? The guy says, well, we go for about two hours and 20 minutes. Because I just like, Phew, it's kind of long. He goes, uh, he goes, I preach for about an hour and 10 minutes every Sunday. And Chris, I just looks at him and goes, uh, well, why don't we stop that? And the guy looks at him and says, I'm not stopping that. He gets up and leaves offended, doesn't pay for lunch. <laughs> Six months later, calls him back and says, I'm sorry, I was completely arrogant. You tell me whatever you need to tell me. Gets together again, humbles himself. He says, you got 35 minutes this Sunday to preach. Within six months, the church had gone, that plateaued from 400 to then 800 people within six months because he didn't fall in love with himself. Listen, worship team, here's, here's the deal when it comes to worship. Like, we could always worship longer, but sometimes there's a guy over there that just can't connect to it. Now, there's a balance on that, right? So, how many of you would like to do worship longer sometimes? Right? But sometimes when you brought a friend to church, you're like, don't worry, they're going to stop soon. So there's a tension for all of us on that, right? There's a tension. I remember a, a, I was complimented by this a uh, number of years ago. This guy came to our church. He's like, Pastor, you know, you could preach longer. My old pastor used to preach for about an hour. And I said, I'd rather want them wanting more than wanting less. You know, 10 minutes is a long time if you go too long. Like, holy crap, would you just shut up already? The truth of the matter is, there is always next week. Right? Now, if you want longer worship, and sometimes you meet people like, I just want to pray, get up at five in the morning. No one's stopping you praying and worshiping for five hours. No one's stopping you. Get up, you bum. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Tell the truth and shame the devil. Teaching our, our teaching in our youth should be creative. Our teaching in transform groups should be creative. Our teaching in our kids should be creative. It should be creative. It should be fresh. If you teach our kids in any, in any way, you need to model that thing and believe that you're bringing the Word of God to someone's life. You're not just teaching a simple lesson that you can't get anything from. Right? You've got to carry the anointing, the passion. Listen, if you'll preach in front of four people as passionately as you'll preach in front of a thousand people, God will do something with your life. Does that make sense? And then we, we teach. And then we are a people of presence, though. We want the presence of God. We need the presence of God. And so in all that we do, there should be moments where we're asking the Holy Spirit to come and meet us and be people of presence. Uh, in worship, I'm looking for some fresh oil on my world. That's what I really, really need. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then you need to be able to lead them in next steps, which is just a, an environment of challenge and environment of growth. And so if I break that down, if we want church to be this, if we want our transformed groups to be to be this. I literally structure this in transform very intentionally that I literally go, we're going to do fun. We're going to do vision. We do teaching. We do some presence moments. We do next steps. And that is literally our formula for, for transform. And we do that every single time and we don't mess with it. Why? Because we need this because we need relationships. And we need this because we need to know where we're going. And our teaching should be short enough that people go, man, I want some more. 
right? Then we need some presence moments. And then we need some next steps in environment of growth. Does that make sense? And so that's across all of our church, any area. So you're not just teaching some Bible study. Anyone can teach a Bible study. Right? Anyone can teach a Bible study. You're the, to teach and model and celebrate the whole vision of a life-giving church. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then finally, over here is empowerment, and you need time to build leaders. And this should be scheduled in, and for Transform, I know it's scheduled in. There's 15, 20 minutes every single Wednesday, every single Tuesday, all throughout the groups. There's leadership time. This is the time we value leaders. Do you know that God really can only bring the crowd as we develop the leaders? Because if he just brings 10,000 people, what do you do if you've got the same number of leaders? Our church has literally pretty much doubled in a year. We don't need less leaders. We need more leaders. When it comes to serving Jesus, are you available? Number one, are you available? I remember when I first stepped into some kind of leadership role, it was college student. I was going to a young person's like Saturday night, worship nights, testimonies. Man, it was really, really powerful. We would go. Now, talk about going for longer. We'd go for like three and a half hours. It was like from 7 to like 10.30. Everyone would talk. It, but it was incredible. I went there one semester. The guy who was leading it meets with a couple of us and says, I need you to lead and help me lead this thing next semester. And he said, but I need your commitment. I need you here every Saturday night. It's your time, it's your Saturday night, and I remember I just went on the inside like, oh, commitment. And the Holy Spirit nudged me and he said, what are you going to do, Anthony, go to the movies? What was he really saying? The truth is that the essence of leadership is you have to die to some things. You do. When the seed goes into the soil, it literally buries, and all of a sudden it's covered and then and only then can it actually produce some good fruit. And I meet Christians all the time who are uncovered seeds. They're not buried. They're not planted anything. They're uncommittal. And I promise you, uncommittal Christians produce nothing. They don't produce anything. They have all the gifting, all the talent. They, they even have callings. They have prophecies over their life. But if you can't commit, you'll never produce the fruit. Jesus said, if it, when the seed falls to the ground, if it does not die, but if it dies, and part of you has to die. But the, remember this, delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. So it's not like you die to your own desires for the rest of your life. No, you actually die, and then you realize that God's so good, He brings them to you anyway. I promise you, let me just help you in marriage for a second, you need to die to some things. And then if you die to some things, you'll actually get a good marriage. But if it's all about you, you won't have a good marriage. Yeah. Or at least you'll have a good marriage, but she won't. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Just trying to help someone. Are you available? Are you available? You know, Jesus said to a rich man one day, he says, so all you have, come follow me. And the man couldn't, and he left, and he was very sad. Jesus didn't say that to everyone, though. And, and culture has actually used that to say, see, the rich should give away everything they have and just follow Jesus. He said that to one guy. But that one guy couldn't give up what was meant to be. And who knows? He probably would have written a book of the Bible. 
kind of an honor. Right? Number two, are you investing your life? This actually, more than anything else, I would say that this is where, you know what, forget that. Don't worry, it's okay. I want to read a passage of scripture to you. Here's what it says. Are you investing your life? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says this, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth, verse 5, for there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Jesus didn't come and just teach. Jesus didn't come and just heal. Jesus didn't come and just deliver. Jesus came and literally gave his life. And actually, the essence of leadership is actually giving your life to Jesus, for Jesus, and two people. Because I, I, I'm convinced of this. Class-led discipleship, class-led leadership, it produces something. It's necessary. But to be honest, you actually have to give your life. And I would say that my wife has probably modeled this better than most. She gives her life, her all to people loves them, loves them, pours into them, prays for them, gives them like all kinds of stuff. And then the people she's invested in, I see the fruit that actually it produces. And you actually, here's the thing. Sometimes you'll meet a Christian who's been a Christian a long time. They've been a Christian 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, something like that. And they've taught a Bible class somewhere in a, in a, in a, in a church. And they're like, hey man, I want to come and teach a Bible class. You're like, first gather the people, then you can teach. But if you're not willing to gather the people and you're not willing to invest in the people, you're not even worth standing and teaching them because all you're doing is teaching some subject, but you're not investing your life. Does that make sense? The call of God does cost you something. It does. It does cost you something. Freedom is not free. Right? My man John over there, he knows a little bit about that. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 says. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people but God. We are not trying to please people but God. Sometimes that will be tested. Who tests our hearts. You know, we never use flattery, nor do we put on masks to cover up greed. God is our witness. And listen to verse um, 7. It says, just as nursing mothers cares for children... So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. You know what's interesting is Miriam would ask me early years of our church, probably the first four years of our church or five years, she would say, hey, babe, you never tell the church you love them. And I was kind of like, oh, I mean, I, I, mean, I do. You know, like. Now I tell, I tell a church every Sunday, praying for you, love you. I do it every Sunday. But here's the interesting thing was, sometimes as a leader, you actually realize you were leading people and you didn't love them. That's the truth. You loved your gift. You loved God put you in leadership, but you didn't yet love the people. And the and I remember hearing a preacher preach recently, about a year, two years ago, three years ago. And as he was encouraging the people in his church, as he was encouraging his leaders, I, something shifted in my heart because I realized how much he loved them. Because a lot of the times you can actually love God and love the vision, 
and love the growth, but you don't love the people. But remember this, I actually believe the healthiest our church has been has actually been in the last probably two to three years. And it was when God, I, I said to the Lord, why would God bring more people if the people in our church aren't flourishing? Because you've got to love those who are there. Not just love souls, not just love... Listen, I'm an evangelist at heart. I want to see souls saved. But actually, the best way you do it is you love the people who are there. And here's the thing. The the essence of how you lead your team well is you love who's there. But then you also set some goals to make it bigger. Does that make sense? Because Paul poured out his life for Timothy. And then Timothy was willing to pour out his life. Hope that makes sense. Philippians 1 verse 9 says this, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. You know what a great prayer is? God, help me love the people you've given me more. Help me love the kids. Help me love the youth. Help me love my transform group. Help me love the women. Help me love the people I counsel. Help me love them. Help me... Here's the essence of ministry, because you've got to love them. Does that make sense? Um, Number three, are you willing to step up? Matthew 9, Jesus sees all this huge crowd, and the Bible says that he has compassion on them, because they were weary and tired, and it says, and they had no shepherd. And then he says to his disciples this, pray to the Lord of the harvest that there might be workers in my harvest field. He says this, for the harvest is large and the workers are few. You ever heard that one before? Yeah. We need to start praying that God will send more, not just people, workers. Yeah. Guess what? God's called you to step up. Yeah. Step up to a next level. Step up to, le- step up to a little uh, more sacrifice. I would say this. How many believe that a move of God is truly possible with our church. It's already happening. But to go from where we are today to doubling, I'll tell you this, it takes unity and it takes sacrifice. If the church will stay united around the vision and around what we're really called to do, united in vision, united in strategy, united in don't, don't talk bad about people, don't gossip about people, united... Even if someone offends you, even if someone doesn't treat you right, united. United, not just when you agree, united. I didn't even agree with my own self. Sometimes you look back in your own life and you go, I didn't even agree with me back then. <laughs> united. Unity is often more important than your opinion. It really is. Right? Unity is where the blessing of God is. Should we use King James Version only or should we use... Oh, shut up. <laughs> like, I, I heard someone say, and I think it's so good, the version of the Bible that's the best version is the one you read yeah. and the one you apply. Paul actually told Timothy, stay away from foolish arguments. Yeah. Right? Stay away from endless genealogy, foolish arguments. And he says some people shipwreck their faith out of it. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Unity, guess what? Sacrifice. 
If Jesus sacrificed, don't tell him you're sacrificing too much. He did, hear me now, he did die on a cross. There's a pastor in Iraq who was known as the Bishop of Baghdad. He had 27 people on his staff. All of them were killed. Serving Jesus there is pretty tough. Serving Jesus in America, where maybe you get a couple of emails from some people that didn't like your sermon this Sunday. Just saying. Um, it's not tough yet. It's a couple of emails. Right? When you show up to church and someone throws rocks at you, then we've got it tough. Right? Oh, it's so tough how coming half an hour earlier. Shut up. Honestly, shut up. Go meet someone who got... Go hang out with Yacy Potom for a moment. The first day as a Christian, someone threw a rock at his head. Bleeding down here. And then someone told him to deny the Lord and was going to shoot him. And, and sometimes we're like, <laughs> getting up another half an hour early. <laughs> Ask an angel of God to just kick you. <laughs> now listen, we all have little pity parties sometimes. But have your little pity party and then get over it. Yeah. Right? Have you ever had a pity party? Like, you, you ever try to get up early and, like, go to pray and it's dark outside? Like, oh, I'm the only one doing this. <laughs> I'm, I'm the only one sacrificing. And Elijah was doing this one day. He's like, oh, I'm the only one left. And the Lord's like, oh, shut up. There's 7,000 more prophets. And you're, like, the only one. You're not the only one with a full-time job serving Jesus, right? You're not the only one tithing. Oh, I can't believe I got to tithe. You don't have to. You get to. Amen. Are you willing to step up? Number four, this is so important. Are you coachable? Someone say, are you coachable? You coachable? Now everyone say yes. yes. Come on, everyone say yes. yes. Are you really? <laughs> are, you, are you sure? <laughs> um. So let me say this, here's four things that shape you and me. The Word shapes you, the prayer and the Holy Spirit shapes you, doing the work of ministry shapes you, and then other people will shape you. But if you won't listen to the Word, and you won't listen to people, then someone has to have an awkward conversation with you and tell you to stop it. Right? And, as, and as, sometimes as leaders, the best thing you can say to someone is you're doing amazing here, love you, you're so gifted in here, but this area of your life, talk to me about this. Are you coachable? Are you coachable? Because spiritually be coachable, leadership-wise be coachable. Both of those are important. Your skill set can be coachable. My skill set has had to be coachable, and I have to keep improving. I, I just want to let you know right now, my, my level of leadership has to improve. It really does. My spiritual life has to improve. So I don't stand up here going, there's something here. 
No, I'm actually spending two days with Michael Murphy, Thursday and Friday in Texas this week, mainly because I just need to hang out with someone who's a much better leader than I am and just hang out with him long enough. And, and here's what happens when you hang out with someone who's better than you. You don't even realize that some stuff rubs off. And then before you know it, you're doing some different stuff. You're saying some different things. And before you know it, you're leading better. Yeah. Right? And then spiritually, hang out with some people a little bit more spiritual than you. Hang out with someone who's a little bit sharper leader than you. If you want to be a friendlier person, hang out with someone friendlier. It catches. Hang out with someone more organized. It catches. It doesn't mean you get the gift of administration. It just means you get a bit more organized. Does that make sense? Um, oh, this... Let me read this scripture to you. Luke chapter 9. This is my last one. The disciples say something super ridiculous. They go, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? They've, they've cast out some devils, devils. They've got excited about it. They feel like they're Elijah. And then they're like, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven? And here's what Jesus says to them. Luke 9. He says this, verse 55, he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. They are disciples of Jesus and he says to them, you don't know what spirit is saying that. He rebuked them, he taught them. And you know that sometimes serving Jesus, you'll walk in, and you'll be negative for some reason, and you'll be in a bad mood, and you almost need the Lord to say, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will do it in worship, sometimes He'll do it in a message, but sometimes if you won't listen to that, He'll do it through another leader. Are you coachable? Let me pray for you. Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, did you get something from tonight? Yes. Come on, open your palms to heaven. Father, I just pray and believe you for fresh oil right now over your sons and over your daughters. God, help them. Help us. Fill us where we need it. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment, Lord. Lord, we need, Lord, wisdom. We need to be filled with you and not another spirit. We need, God, tenacity. We need, God, perseverance. We need, God, joy. Lord, we need to be equipped and better. And so I just pray for, Lord, every person here, but every area they lead, whether transform groups or a department uh, or they're, they're assisting someone. Father, in Jesus' name, across our whole church, Lord, I just believe you to unlock every gift, Lord, that needs to be unlocked. Unlock every mind that needs to get unlocked in Jesus' name. Pour out your spirit across our church. Lord, heal the sick. Lord, raise up leaders. Lord, do it in the youngest and the oldest. Do something significant. We pray, Lord God, for souls to be saved, for disciples to be won, and leaders to be risen up, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I bind a foul and evil spirit, Lord, of any kind of spirit of uh, uh, Delilah over our house in the name of Jesus. I declare your truth, your love, and your mercy, Lord, over the house of God. And God, I believe you for an open heaven over this next season. I believe you, God, there will be
we'll be reaching more people and we'll be teaching them step by step. And God, our, our, our transform groups and evening college and everything we do, God, our youth, our kids, Lord, they'll be growing in such a healthy way. Lord, we don't want more than you want to send, but we do want all you want to send. Father, in Jesus' name, lift your people. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray and believe you. Lord, you'll speak to each one where they need it this week in their own personal time, through a conversation. Help them know that they know that you are leading them. God, encourage someone. Lord, speak to someone. Speak to someone. Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.